0: Welcome to the Strategies at Work podcast for September 2006. Today we look at part two of an interview with Dr. Gerald Chester as he discusses his book, Beyond Babel. The book is titled Beyond Babel. Any mm-hmm. significance to that title?
1: Very significant. Uh, the title came from a conversation I had with a good friend of mine, a pastor, um, when I was struggling with what to title a book, and he gave me that title. And as I thought about it, it made a lot of sense because the Beyond Babel project is one of the first projects recorded in the Bible. Of course, uh, the project building the ark is the very first one. But this particular project uh, is an interesting project because they did a lot of things right. Uh, They found the right place to build this tower. They used the right building materials. Scripture says they used brick, not stone. And if you're going to build something vertically, you want to use brick, which can be very regular and very repeatable in terms of the size and shape versus stone, which is irregular. And you want to keep this thing vertical. Otherwise, it'll begin to lean and fall. So it's very important that you use the right technology, the right building materials. And they had the right leadership. They were all unified. They had the right vision, the right strategic plan. There were a lot of things they did right. And so they had a level of success. But in the end, they were judged, and they were judged because they had the wrong motives. So, we typically, in the marketplace, we have a modicum of success because we work at the level of Babel. If we want to get beyond Babel and really have enduring world class success at building organizations to advance the kingdom of God, we have to do everything Babel did and more. And what they did, what would be more, would be have the right motives. The motives would be about seeking the will of God in the business and doing the will of God in the business. What kind
0: of person needs to read this book, and what does their mindset need to be as they open the cover?
1: The mindset of of many Christians today is not open to this discussion. Uh, I I run into that quite frequently, and that's very sad because their paradigm of Christianity is very dualistic. So, if you've compartmentalized Christianity into the spiritual side of life and then all the physical side of life has nothing to do with it or has a minimal connection with it, then it becomes difficult to hear the message of this book. Um, but as as to who's right for it is anybody who's hungry for a, a biblical theology of work, this is a book that I would encourage them to read. And it's for anybody. The focus of the book is certainly toward leaders and managers, because these are the people that are going to shape organizations. But if you're just a worker in an organization, and I'm not saying that in any kind of demeaning way, doesn't matter what you do, you need to know what a healthy organization looks like. And this will give you a tool to to be able to assess whether or not your organization is walking in a healthy way or whether you need to be looking for a better place to be connected and to express your gifts and talents. Everybody's got a place. Everybody needs to find that place and understanding what a good, healthy place looks like can't do anything but help you. As you've seen
0: people complete the book, what have you seen in those people's lives? How has it impacted them?
1: I have heard nothing but good reports. I keep waiting for my enemies to show up, and uh, they really haven't. And I'm hearing my clients talk in terms of the model, using some of the terminology that I introduced in the model, and applying it, applying it to their businesses and engaging me, asking me, okay, how do we apply this principle? For example, the principle of equal yoking. I was having a discussion with a client this morning about that very principle. Of how does it, What does that look like in the transaction selling a business? How do we do that? And so it's just led to a lot of very interesting discussions, which tells me that clients are engaging and really trying to embrace this theology of work and trying to apply it in their businesses. So it's been very gratifying to me.
0: How did your book tackle the question? Somebody that enjoys their work versus somebody that's working in their destiny. There are a lot of people out there that are happy with their jobs, that enjoy their, what they're doing. They don't dread going to work every morning. How is that different from somebody that's actually walking in their destiny?
1: Well, I, I I've seen people who uh, who've had a, a enjoyment of their work that can happen, but I think the uh, the way this works is to understand the principle of C four, which is taught in the book. And that's taught in in several of my seminars. The principle C4 is, I think, the biblical principle for determining where you're supposed to be in life. And the four Cs are this. The first C is, is calling. What is it you have a heart and a passion to do? That's the internal driver that God put in you. God put in you a passion to do something. And some people are in touch with it. Some people are not. But the key is to get in touch with it. Secondly is character. Uh, you can't be a great worker without good character, and good character to me is a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview embraces a biblical philosophy of work. It embraces biblical values and biblical principles that express those values. So, if you're going to have be a great worker, you have got to have great character. The third C is capability. You've got to look at your God-given skill, ability, education, your talents, your aptitudes, your personality. All the things that God gave you to make you who you are so he could release you to do what he called you to do. And the final C is commissioning. Commissioning is external validation. Nobody can self-commission. We need authority figures in our lives to tell us this is what God has called you to do. We may have passion for it. We may have good character. We may have developed skills. But until we are commissioned by external authority figures, we're not totally confident that we're supposed to do it. It's those four C's, the C4 principle, that is that is the powerful principle to help us understand you know, what God has put us here to do.
0: Somebody listening to this or maybe reading the jacket of the book might hear these principles and they sound so weighty and so important that they may get the impression that this is for business leaders. This is for the folks that are called to run the multi-billion dollar companies. That's not what this book teaches.
1: No, it isn't. Well, just a, a simple case in point. You ask, uh, how did the Lord pick the workers to build the tabernacle? If you go and look in Exodus and you look at uh, you know, the principles that he used, you'll find the C4 principle. So he, he picked the, the construction workers, the laborers, to do the, build a tabernacle based on the C4 principle. So it doesn't matter who you are what you do this principle is valid whether you're a a leader a manager a professional an hourly worker a laborer, a a janitor it doesn't matter you need to ask yourself do I have C4 to do this job whatever it is and in my book I I tell a story about uh, a guy that worked in the shoot metal shop of the family business when I was running the business and this guy had the dirtiest job in the shop I remember watching him over a period of months And this guy worked like a fiend, and I mean that in a very good sense. I mean, he worked hard, and he had this dirty, nasty job in the shop. I I practiced the principle of management by walking around, and I made it a point to walk around the shop two or three times a day at unpredictable times. You never knew when I was going to pop in. shop is always very noisy, Uh, so when when I open the door, people wouldn't hear the door open. Unless you saw me walk in, you wouldn't know that I had walked in. So there's a, you know, 10, 12 guys back in the shop and I can walk back there and all of them except one are kind of moving slow. But this one guy is just working like a fiend. I watched him for months. And finally I went over there and I didn't know him. He didn't know me. We had probably had four or 500 people in the company. So I didn't know everybody. And, and I just went over to him and and I said, excuse me, can I talk to you a second? And he said, sure. And I introduced myself and, uh, I said, I've been watching you for several months, and I want to tell you, I really appreciate your work ethic. Uh, you work very, very hard, and you do great work. And I want you to know, I really appreciate it. And he, he looked up at me and he says, "I can't tell you how much I appreciate you letting me have this job. I love this job. I absolutely love what I do, and I thank you so much for the opportunity to work for you. I, you could have blown me over, you know, with a breath of air. I mean, I was so stunned that anybody would find." That job, that dirty, nasty job to be fulfilling. But he clearly did. And that's because he had C4 to do it. He had a heart to do it. He had a great work ethic. He put out great, he was excellent at what he did. It was not only fast, but it was accurate. What he did was was quality work. He had the capability, had incredible eye-hand coordination. And clearly somebody had commissioned him to do that. I commissioned him to do it. Man, go for it. Whatever you need, you got. And that's one of the signs of commissioning is commissioning agents support you. They help you. They facilitate you doing what you're called to do. And that's what I tried to do for that man is help him do everything he could do to do his job well. So that's really the key is, is we've got to get the reality that C4 works for everybody at every level.
0: Are you alone in the world with this principle or is there a community that's starting to latch on to, to these principles?
1: As far as I can tell, um, there is a uh, significant movement in the the, uh, Christianity to embrace what's called the cultural mandate. Um, Nancy Piercy and Chuck Colson have been advocates of this and have written books recently, well-written books, well-researched books, arguing the very points that are the foundation of my book, and that is the reason we're here is to rule God's creation. And sometimes that gets misunderstood as a, quote, kingdom now theology. It is not a kingdom now theology. It's simply a recognition that, of why we're here. That's all it is. And so as we begin to recognize why we're here, what are the implications of that? How do we walk that out? What I've done is tried to, to talk about the implications. And I haven't seen very many people begin to talk at the level I'm talking about. But there are a lot of people talking about the cultural mandate, Genesis 1, and what that means, and, and talking about how that should transform Christianity in this country. And So there is there is a sense in which there's a lot of discussion, but there's also a sense in which the implications of that discussion have just begun to be explored.
0: What do you see in the next 10 to 20 years as more and more folks... Start to embrace and, and really believe in these principles and start to put them into practice for their businesses?
1: Well, I think there's a potential to do something that I haven't seen in my lifetime, and that is to produce uh, churches and Christians that really have a passion for walking with God. I think by and large, our dualistic brand of Christianity over the last 150 years, and that's basically the, the time frame that it's really had its grip on American Christianity has pretty much killed it in terms of, of producing really vibrant Christians. It's hard to find vibrant Christians, really alive, passionate people walking with God. There's a lot of professing Christians, but not many, many vibrant Christians. I think understanding dualism and how dualism has, has blocked us and getting rid of dualism, radically getting rid of it and, and embracing a holistic, integrated approach of Christianity all of life And really beginning to empower people by equipping them, teaching them, and training them how to walk with God in every area of life, including work. I think if we begin to do that well in our churches, we will create a revival like we haven't seen in a long time. And potentially really bring tremendous life to the churches, to the people, and bring a tremendous witness to our society. Because the Christians now will become the great workers the model workers. Right now, many Christians are disdained as workers. In fact, I know some people that if you tell them that you're a Christian, they will not hire you because they've had such bad experience with Christians who have a bad theology of work. So, as we begin to train Christians with a good theology of work and they begin to practice that in the marketplace, they will become the great workers. They will become the go-to workers. They'll become the workers in demand. And when that happens, that will bring transformation to our companies It's also going to be a great evangelistic tool because people are going to listen to to others that do well and are successful. What people don't listen to is people that are poor workers. Who wants to listen to a poor worker? So I think the potential of transformation for the body of Christ is huge if we can grab a hold of this simple thing, rejecting dualism and embracing a truly biblical theology of work. We thank you, Dr. Chester, for taking the time to talk about
0: your model today, and we look forward to what the future brings for you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: We hope you've been challenged by this podcast to consider biblical work principles in the workplace. For more information, visit strategieswork.com or to give feedback or sign up for our newsletter, please send an email to podcast at strategieswork.com. Thank you for joining us for this podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time.